My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Interestingly, with this particular deal, there were actually a number of offers that were was higher than mine from a pricing perspective. Uh, and the the seller and the and the selling agent uh, still decided to go with me. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Torrin Shum, and in this episode, we're speaking with Simon Liu, an experienced investor, renowned buyer's agent, and director of successful buyer's agency, Housefinder. We discuss why the buyer's market for the first home buyers is hot right now, why we shouldn't believe everything the media tells us about the property market, and he shares how he secured a smoking hot deal at a great price, despite the huge competition at auction. Simon opens up the conversation by delving into the current market in Brisbane and discussing the reasons why the market is heating up for first-time buyers. The Brisbane market at the moment is uh, is is extremely buoyant uh, in in certain pockets. Uh, I would say around the, probably the uh, the the more sort of affordable housing around the five six hundred thousand dollar mark still within Brisbane City Council. Uh, is is absolutely getting smashed with owner occupier and first home buyer activity. Why do you think that's the case? By the way, there's a number of reasons that I've noticed. Uh, just being on the ground, um, you know, looking for deals. The, the main the main driving force is super low interest rates that we have at the moment. Uh, you know, most uh, most first home buyers are getting loans at, at around the two percent, two and a half percent sort of interest rate mark. Uh, which which is essentially lower than uh, you know what it would cost them to 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 rent any equivalent property if they were to buy buy a house. So that's number one. The second reason is there's there's been a lot of government incentive uh, from a first home buyer perspective uh, that's been thrown at owner occupiers. There's also you know obviously as you know about job keeper job seeker as well. Um, you know, there's a, there's just a lot of uh, a lot of government help that's maintaining a lot of uh, confidence uh, with first home buyers, with people looking to buy property. Um, you know, I think there's been a little uh, a lot of misconception that uh, you know during a during this pandemic that we've had uh, that people are are, are shying back that uh, uh, the, the property market's going down. The drain, and that that's been perpetuated, I think, a lot through through media as well. 
I was just going to say, what's the, yeah, as she says, the reality is going to be is a completely different thing. And I was just saying, the media paints a completely different picture to what we're actually seeing happening. Because even just in my own, um, I guess, looking on the ground and also just my own research, <laughs> when people are saying it's, you know, a market that's potentially going down, in actual fact, it's actually been stable or some of them have been just snapped up much, much quicker. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's really interesting to hear that different point of view at this point in time. But yeah, what what was what were you going to say next? Well, I was going to say that, like you know, because there is so much doom and gloom in the media, I think that's that's triggered buyers to actually come out and look for opportunities because they're in the mindset that okay, if 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 the media is suggesting that uh, you know markets are in turmoil, maybe I can go out now and buy a good deal, you know, coupled with the fact that interest rates are low and there's all these sort of first home buy grants as well. But you know, when you've got a whole bunch of people doing the same thing with the same mindset, you end up with a, a property market that's still incredibly buoyant uh, because there's just so much demand. Uh, and the other, the other, the other element that's sort of playing into the fact that uh, it's it's just an incred- incredibly buoyant market is that there's still a very very small number of listings or new listings uh, uh, compared to let's say this time last year uh, coming on the market. Uh, and this is like every single you know selling agent that I speak with, uh, you know that's their main struggle at the moment is just to obtain new listings. You know people are reluctant to sell, um, people are holding on to what they've got uh, until the uh, uncertainty blows over. Uh, and the, the people that do need to sell are in many cases uh, in a position where they kind of have to. So you know when you've got when you've got all these different uh, different elements coming together you just cre- create a, a situation where you know certain areas in any capital city is just being smashed at the moment uh, with uh, with a lot of buyer activity now that said though I, I would say prior to the pandemic it was probably maybe you know 40 60 uh, investor to owner occupier ratio in terms of the types of buyers in the market um, but nowadays, what I've noticed is it's it's at at the most maximum maybe twenty percent investors and eighty percent owner occupiers, uh, and in many pockets it's probably even less, uh, meaning it's more skewed towards people looking for a house to live in. So you know, as is the case with this example that we we uh, we purchased for a a client recently, uh, this was probably only about three weeks back to be honest. Um, uh, I can even tell you the the general area uh, within Brisbane, which is uh, around the sort of uh, Fernie Hills, Fernie Grove, Upper Kedron, uh, that kind of pocket, um, which that particular area is being, again, just being in- incredibly hot with first-home buyers because a couple of things, the distance to CBD, um, the extremely low price point uh, compared to surrounding suburbs, uh, and also, there's been a bit of uh, a development uh, change in the in the area as a whole, meaning there's just a few projects coming up, infrastructure projects coming up, and all this kind of stuff, which is attracting a lot of first-time buyer and, and owner-occupier uh, attention. So this particular property, you know, came online, um, and immediately at the first open home, there are about eight, eight or nine groups, uh, all of them owner occupiers and all of them fairly green in terms of uh, their their, uh, uh, their their buying experience. Um, so, you know, the, the, this, this particular seller, look, the, the house was a very sort of standard 
a brick three bedroom 600 odd square meter house but uh i guess what the the differentiating factor was the the seller was in a bit of a a situation a distress situation where uh he had some mental disabilities uh and he was moving into a facility which uh meant that the the house needed to sell pretty pretty quickly pretty urgently um now the uh the house itself was was fine you know there's no structural issues or anything like that but it probably had a number of cosmetic ruins here uh uh things that just needed touching up uh so you know in that sense it kind of put off i wouldn't say it put off a lot of the first home buyers and owner occupiers but it meant that they were they may have saw it as an opportunity to to put in some super low ball offers um but you know me sort of knowing the market a little bit more knew what it was worth and i can tell you some numbers it was probably worth around the 560 570k mark um once the house was was done up you know properly uh but you know we managed to secure the deal for uh around about the 510 mark i won't go into specifics because the deal's still kind of you know still in motion if that makes sense uh, around about the 510 mark um look i mean in terms of cosmetic items we you know part of my process is to get you know my trades to go out and do a bit of a quote and when we price it up you know to to fix the carpets to 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 repaint a few walls you know fix a, a few little cosmetic wear and tear things here and there like doors and a bit of yard work and things like that you're probably coming in at around about the 6 to 8k mark um which you know if you buy it as an investment you know for 510 spend you know, let's say very conservatively 10k um to get everything done and dusted you know you, you've got a pretty good product that's going to be worth even more than what you paid for it and also it's going to be highly highly sought after by owner occupiers if and when you decide to sell it like even if you had to sell it immediately um you get a ton of people through so i guess um i, I guess that's that's kind of one of the ways i'm i'm finding and, and buying investment deals at the moment is uh, I guess finding opportunities where uh, it, it it's it's not as attractive to owner occupiers and, and first home buyers in the sense that the house needs work, but we're also being a little bit more realistic with the price based on the demands of the the housing market at the moment, um, and coupled with you know not being afraid to spend a little bit of money on this particular property uh, to to make it uh, you know livable presentable. Um, uh, condition, I think that that spells a pretty good, uh, pretty good outcome for the particular investor that we were working with. Lou makes it sound easy, but how did he manage to secure the deal at a good price despite there being so much competition? So there were a number of moving parts that enabled me to kind of, I suppose, get a bit of an edge um, over the other buyers. The first thing is I knew the agents because we've done, we we had done a number of deals previous to this particular deal. So we had a bit of a relationship where she knew that if I came along with an offer and a buyer, it would be pretty solid. You know, we weren't going to mess around too much, uh, you know, with uh, uncertainty uh, surrounding the negotiations, surrounding the deal itself. And when you're working with a seller that is, clearly motivated to sell and can't afford to, uh, you know, spend the time uh, or, or the risk that the contract may fall over in two or three or four weeks' time, 
you know, might be based on a uh, finance issue or, or, or a building and pest issue or something along those lines, uh, then they can sway towards a buyer uh, like myself that is is more more um, how should I put it more certain, more confident uh, that that the that the sale can complete. Interestingly, with this particular deal, there were actually a number of offers that were was higher than mine from a pricing perspective. Uh, and the the seller and the and the selling agent uh, still decided to go with me because, again, you know, I was just a lot more certain and 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 you know, getting the absolute highest price was not the priority for this seller. It was just ensuring that the property could sell quickly uh, and with as little fuss as possible. So, you know, I think that just just being able to sort of read. A couple of things, um, you know, the first thing being the type of the, the type of buyers that are interested in this property, um, knowing the motivation for the seller as well, and having that relationship with a selling agent, you know, combined enabled me to to negotiate a deal that was to to our benefit as an investor. Uh, so so yeah, I think um, I think the fact that there were there were higher offers from a from a dollar perspective. Uh, kind of told me that these guys were definitely uh, uh, in in a situation where they just had to sell it and they couldn't they couldn't sort of sit around and and wait you know another four or five or six weeks. Yeah. So how long did this deal take to actually complete to get to the point where you you know you're going pretty much unconditional very soon? The settlement was 42 days, which was actually pretty standard. Um, we only put in 42 days because the uh, the banks are really taking their time at the moment to uh, to 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 gain approvals. Um, so you know we're we're at the tail end of that now. It's the property is actually not uh, not not settled just yet. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's 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 just a standard kind of a deal. But you know, like the finance was pre-approved, so we didn't have any issues there. Uh, you know, when we did the building and pest, we did the building and pest knowing that the house had those cosmetic issues, uh, which is always going to be a, a concern for any seller when they know that their house is not is not perfect. Uh, a lot of the times when people do these building and pest inspections, they they freak out because the nature of a building and pest inspection and, and building and pest inspectors is that they kind of have to make a big deal out of everything. Uh, uh, the number one reason being to insure themselves uh, as inspectors. So, you know, a lot of the times when, when with these older houses that clearly have some cosmetic issues, uh, they they tend to fall apart at the building and pest stage. If it's if you're working with let's say a, a, an inexperienced buyer, uh, because you know it's it's just a it, it just becomes like a, a the reality of the work or or the potential risk of the property just sinks in. Uh, whereas, you know, with us, when we did the visual inspection prior to the building and pest, you know, we were very thorough. We, we kind of saw pretty much everything that needed to be done um, to to the house, you know, obviously pending any sort of hidden damage in the roof or, or, or uh, you know, within the walls or something like that that we couldn't see. So, you know, we knew that the, the, the amount of actual work needed was probably going to be limited. And when we did the building and pass it, it obviously reinforced that as well. There wasn't there wasn't any major termite issues. There wasn't any sort of um, uh, uh, building and pest issues or anything like that. That's great. So it seems like a pretty good deal there. Um, so what what's the actual uh, purchase going to be doing now since they've purchased that particular property? Well, they're just going to fix it up. You know, spend the six to eight k 
um, that this particular buyer was uh, is one of my uh, overseas clients as well. Um, so they, uh, they 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 also want a fairly uh, stress free experience <laughs> in buying and, and 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 owning the property. So you know, I'll I'll organise a few trades. I'll get a few quotes and, and get the stuff fixed up, and uh, and and we'll just rent the property out. Um, the property itself is probably going to rent for about five hundred and ten dollars a week. Uh, so we're looking at around about the four four and a half five percent rental rental yield, which is which is above average, you know, for an area that's you know within thirteen uh, thirteen odd kilometers from the CBD. Um, and yeah, we're just going to uh, do it up, rent it out. In six months' time, we'll get the bank back out, revalue it. Uh, most likely, there'll be, you know, 50, 60k equity in it that we can reuse, uh, or that the client can reuse, and and to 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 either uh, put that equity in an offset account or to reuse that into a subsequent purchase. So just a very simple buy and hold kind of strategy. Um, ensuring that just the house is, uh, you know, as low maintenance as, as standard as possible. Uh, I think it's uh, it's a pretty. I would consider it's like an all-rounder type of deal, but we just managed to pick it up uh, pretty cheap. Coming up after the break, we find out more about how Simon Liu secured a great deal for his clients in such a competitive environment. Because when you're in those situations, you need to move very, very quickly. You know, you can't afford to, um, you know, wait until Monday or Tuesday or have a think about it or anything like that, especially when you know that there's competing um, uh, offers to be, to be coming in. We discussed the current pandemic and how it's affecting people's motivations to buy. And... You know, this whole COVID pandemic has really sort of brought home the fact that people need security. People need a place to live in, especially if there is a situation where they're locked down. Lou shares his advice to first-time investors. Might only be a $10,000 difference. I say only $10,000, but obviously in the scheme of things when you talk about buying houses and renovating and things like that, um, a $10,000 renovation is 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 not a lot of money. But that can make all the difference. And that's coming up in the second half of this episode on Property Investory. Have you been looking for months and getting frustrated that each property you've seen since be a lemon? Or are you after distress, off-market, high cash flow properties in high growth areas, capital city locations? If you answered yes to either of these questions, you are not alone. For being a loyal listener of the podcast, Simon Liu is offering a free one-hour strategy session normally valued at $500 to help put together an actionable property plan. To get your free strategy session, simply visit housefinder.com.au and fill out the contact form or call Simon directly on 0415-626-342 and quote Property Investory. Welcome back. Lou explained earlier how he secured the awesome deal in Brisbane, but how did he actually come across it? Every client's a little bit different. You know, every client comes to me from different backgrounds, uh, different occupations, different income levels, different age groups, uh, different levels from, you know, how experienced they are with investing. Uh, you know, some people have zero properties, some people have already have 20 houses. So, I guess for me, the main thing for me is just to source uh, uh, distressed properties. You know, that's that's what that's what we we, we primarily focus on. Uh, so this particular buyer came to us with uh, with a slightly higher budget uh, than 
on than my my average investor. You know, most of my buyers come to me with around about a four hundred thousand dollar mark uh, type property, um, whereas this investor wanted something you know up to seven hundred thousand. Now that's not saying that we're going to spend you know six hundred and ninety nine thousand dollars and not a dollar less. Um, I think what that actually translates to is that they just wanted something a little bit more close to the city, um, you know, maybe a little bit more blue chip, um, but still retain the fundamentals of, you know, buying well, um, buying definitely below market value, buying properties that you can add value to with good cash flow, like all those boxes still need to be ticked. So, you know, I've got, um, you know, having worked with obviously buyers from, you know, the, I guess the more sort of affordable end of the market to more sort of expensive end of the market. Uh, you know, I've just got, uh, a, I guess, a wide range of agents that know what I do and know that I can, you know, put together a deal and, and, and see the deal through fairly confidently. So in all honesty, with this particular house, the agent called me up, called me up and said, hey, you know, we've got this house. Um, we have to do one showing, you know, that was the instruction from the seller. They have to do at least one open home before they were they were going to consider any offer, um, which didn't play too, too, in, into my hands too well, to be completely honest, because obviously, you know, I prefer to deal with properties that are, that are you know, off market and potentially with less competition. Um, but at, so, at the same time, you have to respect that, uh, you know, obviously sellers want the best outcome for themselves as well. And sometimes you have to just work with it. So anyway, we put in an offer before before we even they did even did the open home, um, you know, just to just to I guess cement the fact that we were serious and we were there to to negotiate a deal. Uh, and as soon as the open home happened, which was on a Saturday, you know, I got to negotiating literally an hour after the open home finished with a selling agent because when you're in those situations, you need to move very very quickly. You know, you can't afford to. Um, you know, wait until Monday or Tuesday or have a think about it or anything like that, especially when you know that there's competing um, uh, offers to be to be coming in. Um, so, you know, we moved fairly quickly. Uh, you know, we, we, you know, we, we negotiated the price a little bit. You know, we, we went into the negotiation knowing the comparable sales, knowing what it's worth. Again, we did the visual inspection and know, and, and we kind of knew, um, knew the kind of typical cosmetic stuff that had to be done. Uh, so rather than starting at a super low price point, uh, which is what normal um, buyers do when they when they when they start negotiating on these houses, they start super low. But because there's there's a lot of competition, you need to be ensure that you're getting a good deal, but you also need to be realistic. Because if you're super low, it just puts you completely out of the picture and someone else is going to get it. So, you know, we, we put in that price, we put in our conditions, which was fairly relaxed um, compared to compared to some of the other offers. Um, I wasn't told what the other offers were and, and how much um, how much they were offering. But I do know that after the after the deal was done, that there were other offers that was high price, like I mentioned before. So I think it's just, again, just a combination of, um, you know, finding information. You know, getting getting access to that house, obviously, as a first step, you know, the agent calling me and saying, hey, we've got this house, um, you know, seller really needs it sold. Um, we need to do one open home and then we can, you know, the, 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 the seller is happy to look at all offers after that. Um, obviously, knowing the area, knowing what the property is worth, um, you know, doing a lot of due diligence on comparable sales, ensuring that you're not getting, you're not paying retail or you're not not paying, definitely not paying over market value. Um, and just knowing how to negotiate. Look, I mean, 
you know, we've done so many deals uh, that we've kind of uh, just got a little bit of a knack in terms of being able to negotiate um, with with a lot of competing offers. Uh, and obviously not losing your head as well. I think that's super important because a lot of the time, like this one works well, but so many times when we negotiate these properties, you know, you might get someone that just really loves the property so much they're willing to pay some ridiculous amount for it. Yeah, that's what happens at auctions. <laughs> auctions is very, very, very typical of this, you know, especially a first time buyer because they're probably wanting to get something that they've been looking for. They may have been looking for three, six, 12 months and going, oh man, this is the perfect one that I think, you know, that I really, really want. So they just end up going in and taking it and trying to win the whole thing. It's only afterwards when they've purchased it, that's probably, you know, when they have potentially bias remorse. Look, I mean, as investors, I think that that's a fundamental difference between investors and homeowners, home buyers. Is that home buyers buy very emotionally? You know, it's all about how they feel. Whereas, you know, investors, if they don't make sense, we have the ability, or we hope we have the ability to to simply walk away, because you know, like I always say, the deal of a lifetime comes around once a week. So there's always going to be another opportunity. There's always going to be another, and sometimes you have to put in these yards. Like sometimes you have to put in the time, the patience, the research, the 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 I guess the losses. Um, the, the the missing out of properties for you to end up with a really good deal that that forms as part of your overall portfolio and your strategy. Uh, so so yeah, I mean obviously for this particular one it works out, uh, but you know for everyone that works out, you know there's a bunch of ones that don't. Very much so. Wow, that's fascinating. So we've kind of talked about how you found this deal, um, the whole process that you went through to be able to get the deal at this point in time, especially you know when a in a very kind of hot buyer's market at this point in time, particularly in Brisbane. What would be also interesting to understand is what do you think has happened with the pandemic because it, it's, you know, in the media says one thing but on the ground, you're seeing something different. How do you think it's now impacting the properties that you're looking at for investors? So, the affordable end of the market, I would say anything like let's using Brisbane as an example, I would say anything under the seven, eight hundred thousand dollar mark is is still an extremely hot market. Um, I think one of the main things that people need to realize uh, is even though yourself, may, perhaps the listeners uh, for property investory and and myself, we consider properties as not only a place to live in, but obviously as a means to make money, as it, as in like it's an investment tool. Uh, whereas for ninety five percent of the population out there, they still see, or they, they, I mean, rightly so, they see houses as obviously a means for shelter, you know, uh, as a necessity. And you know, this whole COVID pandemic has really sort of brought home the fact that people need security, people need a place to live in, especially if there is any uh, sort of. Uh, 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 a situation where they're locked down, you know, like obviously what's been happening in Victoria. They need that level of security. They need that that comfort of having a place that they call home. And I think there's, um, you know, obviously again, you know, with all the doom and gloom that's been perpetuated in the media and uh, amongst all the other factors as well, interest rates and you know, government stimulus and all this kind of stuff. It's really created a bit of a, unintentionally, a bit of a. A bit of a, uh, a scenario where there's just people out in force looking for that that home to live in, that security. Um, and when they're looking for these homes, like previous to the COVID and the pandemic, you know, if, if people could, let's say, borrow a million bucks 
you know, might spend up to a million dollars to buy their dream house. But right now, I think people are even, you know, even inexperienced buyers, they're, they're still being a lot more conservative uh, with their choices. So they're not, they're not, you know, spending absolutely every dollar they have. They're not borrowing, you know, absolutely to the max of how much they can borrow. They're being a little bit more realistic. They're buying in more affordable areas. Um, they're buying in areas that might be even further out from the city. Um, especially if uh, you know, obviously, working from home is now is now increasingly popular. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's the same in Sydney as well. You know, in Sydney, between the one million to two million dollar mark that I've noticed, and any listener out there that that's been uh, on the ground in Sydney will <laughs> attest to the same thing. The demand is just incredibly hot. You know, every single open home, there's you know, dozens of parties, you know, auctions just going through the roof, you know, pretty much every single one. Um, and it's, I think, I think for first-time buyers and owner-occupiers, if you do, if you do, if you are in the market looking for houses right now, looking for a place to live in, um, very important not to, uh, not to, not to just go completely gung-ho and, and, uh, and, and overpay for houses. Because whichever way you look at it, you know, we're looking at a bit of a shaky, uh, you know, 12 to 24 months, you know, from an economic standpoint. So it's really important to just keep your head, you know, work on your budget, you know, stick to that budget. Don't, don't, don't fall in love with houses as well. Like I said, with, the, with this particular example that we just bought, you know, the difference between a really sort of nice looking, sexy, um, you know, a lot of emotional appeal house uh, versus a house that needs a lot of work, it, it might only be a $10,000 difference. I, I say only $10,000, but obviously in the scheme of things, when you talk about buying houses and renovating and things like that, um, a $10,000 renovation is not is not, is not not a lot of money, but that can make all the difference. So I guess my, um, you know, maybe, maybe a bit of a, a, a advice for any first-home buyers out there um, is really just to, uh, you know, don't... Um, uh, don't don't just uh, don't neglect you know houses that are that need a bit of work you know don't dismiss them um, don't be afraid to do a little bit of work um, don't uh, don't fall into the trap of of looking at a house and saying oh wow you know this is really nice it's all done up and looks really good and it's probably even staged to be honest um, you know in terms of you know people putting in fake furniture and things like that. Um, yeah, and just uh, just be just be sensible and realistic. So take the emotion out of it, especially if you're looking to buy your first home, and ensure that when you are looking at it, make sure that there is still enough in there to be able to you know cover any of the well, costs and renovations. Because ultimately, from an investor's point of view, if we're purchasing it, it's usually you know you make your money when you actually buy, not when you've actually already purchased it, and it's too late then you know to add value onto it, and you'll have to wait. And we don't want to be sitting there waiting for 10 years before it appreciates because that 10-year loss or ten, not loss but 10 years opportunity cost that could have gone into purchasing more properties to build up your portfolio. So, it's it's very, very wise words that you've said there as well. Fantastic. Well, Simon, that's been a fascinating story and it's really good to hear an update from you especially being on the ground at this point in time and this means so much that I've also uh, felt the same as well because speaking to so many different people, I'm getting the same feeling that the media has portrayed and you know it throws things out of perspective but when you actually look at what's actually happening and, and looking at the facts and what's really, really happening, the fact is is that the market really hasn't um, 
gone backwards at all. It hasn't dropped by 40%. It's just to get fear <laughs> into people's minds to hop onto these sites to read more and sell more advertising to you. So, you know, I don't want to be that blunt but it is true. That's what they do. You know, that's how they make their money. That's how they survive without those ads, without <laughs> all those things that are put on the website and creating all these stories and headlines. You won't, they won't get your attention and that's how we are. You know, humans just drift towards fear. So, anyway, ending, ending this episode off, I think there's a lot of great opportunities here if we just um, stick to our fundamentals and continue to do what we do best which is to be an investor. Thank you to buyer's agent Simon Liu, our guest on this special episode of Invest Like a Pro presented by Housefinder. Also, for being a loyal listener of the podcast, I've asked Simon to offer a free one-hour strategy session normally valued at $500 to help you put together an actionable property plan. To get your free strategy session, simply visit housefinder.com.au and fill out the contact form or call Simon directly on 0415-626-342 and quote, Property Investory. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.